Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Mike and Tom are washing their mouths out with soap because the Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language. Everything Sequel presents Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, Part 2. When last we saw our heroes on both sides, they were engaged in bidding wars over the development of Jedi single living apartment complexes before a peaceful transition into agreement on the best scene in the trilogy. A metachlorian-based anecdote whispered loudly during a transparent bubble opera. War! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the conclusion to the prequel edition. We're finally finishing up with Revenge of the Sith Part 2. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man who made an unwieldy title even more unwieldy by having to add our Part 2 to it, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hi, Tom. Unlimited power! <laughs> what a line. Thundercats are on the move. Thundercats are loose. That's what happens in my head when I hear that line. He's so mumra. <laughs> that dude is so mumra. <laughs> that's right up there with your wizard. That's wizard. Yeah, it's like a... <laughs> that's mumra. Yeah. It's like a, a short-lived 90s uh, Nickelodeon show. That's so Mumra. <laughs> Since we're on the subject, <laughs> yes, why is please. it with the passage of time that somehow the Emperor's makeup got worse than it was in 1983? Riddle me that! It, <laughs> it's... Yeah. It's a... It, along with the Yoda puppet, it's a... In Phantom Menace, it's a basic misremembering of what the Emperor looked like. <laughs> right. In, in a, there is from a, footage. From a movie that you, that, that, that you have easy visual <laughs> reference of. Right. <laughs> you probably have a trading card with the Emperor in your pocket when you're yeah. uh, making that call. I just think it's, it's interesting that one of the differences between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy is that... Um, the original trilogy inspired 80 Saturday morning cartoons like Thundercats and He-Man, whereas sure. the prequel trilogy seems inspired by those very same uh, Saturday morning kid cartoons to the point of pastiche. Yeah, he's got a real Gargamel feel to him. <laughs> God, I haven't heard the name Gargamel in so long. Oh Well, uh, dear listeners, when last we left you... We've been talking about a lightning accident for quite some time on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not even sure prequels. that's an accurate. I'm not even sure that's an accurate description Tom, of what happens. Tom doesn't think that's even what happened, but <laughs> but that's hey, we, how I described we're, it. Yeah, we're 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 pretty much there. I mean, before that happened, well, I suppose that that happens uh, in the denouement of the lightsaber duel that we're currently at. In the movie, this is between Mace Windu and uh, the. Uh, well, I don't know what you. Call <laughs> you didn't know what to call him in his last. <laughs> in his last throes his last of being a, as, uh, a human as, person instead of a space wizard. Supreme Chancellor Palpatine. 
Or is he a human person? Are any of these characters humans, or are they just humanoid? Well, yeah, I mean, I think human is the catch-all term for, uh, you know, uh, to, to borrow a phrase from Star Trek The Next Conversation's Andy Secunda, quintessential space uggos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the distinction they make. Whenever you're not a quintessential space uggo, you're a human. You're a human. All right, fine. But I have questions about, I mean... Uh, Ethnically, he's a Nabubian. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> that sounds like it's from the Acme Corporation. <laughs> Something sending shit to Wiley e. Coyote. <laughs> um, but I I don't know if well well we're we're very close we're very close to to having the conversation about it. But I'll just I'll just uh, <laughs> tease the conversation by saying. I wonder whether this is a reveal that he is not a human. Oh, really? Well, let, let's let's talk about the lightsaber duel. Let's talk about Mace Windu's death, and then we'll okay, fine. And then we can spend conservatively hours talking about uh, uh, <laughs> the the transformation into the Emperor. We can indeed. Um, All right. Well, when last I never we thought left, I'd, I never thought I'd see the Emperor with a lightsaber. Oh, really? I don't know that I ever had a conscious thought about whether or not I'd see the Emperor with a lightsaber. It didn't help but that when George you... Luke didn't help that George Lucas said that the Emperor would never have a lightsaber in, in various yeah. interviews. <laughs> he's he, a different kind he's a different, he's a different force user. Level of Jedi or force yeah. user. He also said that about but, Yoda and obviously. I was gonna took, say, took didn't you back. say he said the same about Yoda? Yeah. Uh, changed so his it, mind there. It's another Lucas self-retcon. Well, I'll, I'll just right off the top, let me tell you what doesn't work about this scene immediately. Yeah. Is it four Jedis against one? Sure, one? Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's, yeah, he's outnumbered. I'm pretty sure it's four against one. He kills those, he kills two immediately. Mm -hmm. And that third, shortly thereafter. Yeah. And then, you know, I just, I think of the Jedi as... A little bit more capable, no matter how powerful the Emperor is. Yeah. It's not, it also doesn't sit well that it's, he's a fairly aged man, the actor himself. And he's, mm -hmm. we talked about how he's given all credit to, to his uh, stunt doubles. Well, he, lo I mean, he looks very uncomfortable doing this kind of. But exactly. He, he, he doesn't look like the most, the most nimble of foe. So. But no matter how many I, weird yeah. spins you give him, I don't. I, I think I think those first two Jedi could get at least a yeah. couple of defensive blows up. You know. By the way, he shouldn't be jumping around either. I mean, I never thought of him as a as, as a jumper. <laughs> He's a jumper and a spinner. He's a jumper. He is. He's a jumper and a spinner. Uh, and of course, behind the scenes in the making of documentary, they uh, we see that he was very uncomfortable doing this. And mm -hmm. Sam Jackson was kind of giving him a hard time about how ill at ease he was. <laughs> As only Sam Jackson can. As only Sam Jackson can, yeah. So, uh, and that all reads. It, I, 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 conceptually, it doesn't work for me. Uh, the execution doesn't work for me. Uh, I guess on the level. So conceptually, of, like, by conceptually, logic, do you it mean? Work either. Uh huh. Conceptually, do you mean just putting the lightsaber in his hand? Yeah, having him. Or adding the twists and the jumps with that. All of it, yeah. 
Uh-huh. Why would he be that kind of a force user? Based on what we've seen before and after and during. <laughs> if it's not a big deal for you, it's fine. It's good. Yeah, it's not. Because we're in prequel land, I guess I imagined. <laughs> uh, Another you know, short-lived board game. <laughs> I just, I guess I always imagined that, you know, uh, Jedi like Yoda or the Emperor, their powers would grow from this moment. And in this moment, they would use lightsabers, and I'm, you know, fine okay. with that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If George Lucas hadn't said anything about it, maybe I, I wouldn't have yeah, that's true. noticed it quite as much. But, but he did, and uh, he contradicted himself. <laughs> per always. Always, yeah. But this is one that makes sense to me. I'm like, I like the idea that the Force isn't just about two people with lightsabers. It's like, mm-hmm. it's about lightning and jumping and spinning. But, <laughs> but everyone has a di- like everyone has a different take on it. I like that idea. Like X Men, are well, you looking I, for that? Not yeah, some something between what we have and 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 X Men. Yeah, something in the middle where it's not like. Every time it's lightsabers. Every time you see a Jedi, they've got a lightsaber, or a, or a Sith mm-hmm. that, that they have to fight with lightsabers. But you know, I think it plays. The to lightsabers the... come out every so often, and it's a nice treat when you see them, as opposed to oh god, more lightsabers. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I guess uh, it it to me it always lends into the half cowboy, half samurai bent to these stories. Yeah, and. You don't ever see the samurais put down their swords very often and use their minds and their lightning. Well, yeah, but they don't they don't exist in a galaxy where you can manipulate far, far away. <laughs> where you can manipulate space with your mind. So <laughs> That's you know, true. You think you'd they'd be doing more than that. All right. But anyway, I, by no means the biggest problem of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I every time I watch it, I am I you know, I'm immediately upset that they didn't have a better idea than to kill three Jedi's quickly just so we can get to Mace Windu. Right. Which ends up not being that great a fight anyway, as far as I'm concerned. Well, sure. Well, uh, McDermott's not up to it and Jackson's not taking it seriously cuz he's fighting McDermott. Right. <laughs> and then uh, my next note is window in the window. Mm-hmm. You mean after they cut it open? Yeah. Well, he's so Mace Windu is basically one. He's defeated the yeah. Emperor by uh, reflecting his lightning back at him. <laughs> and um, then he starts saying a lot of uh, QAnon style rhetoric. <laughs> <laughs> about how he's too dangerous to be kept alive and sure so you know if it's, you had it's any doubt to, yeah if you had any doubt about how terrible the jedi were up to this point this mm-hmm. is the moment where you go man these fuckers are really dangerous it, his behavior runs counter to what we already know of the jedis i mean you know mm-hmm. nixon white house aside this leans into benevolent dictator moment Right, he's more like he's more dark side than than the dark mm-hmm. side right. at this point. Yeah, 
Um, he's just, you know, summary execution is what he's is what he's announcing he's going to do. But trust me, that's is right. what he's, he's saying. Gonna, he's going to hang Mike Pence right from the from, yes. from the top of the Congress uh, dome. And, uh, you know, I think I think it's a mistake because um, it doesn't give Anakin a clear choice in this moment. Mm hmm. Even with well, and I also because that portion of it, when Anakin walks in, it's it's just paced terribly to me. It's awkward mm -hmm. because he rushes in and then just stands there <laughs> and says things like, no, I need him. Mm -hmm. You know, I need a more definitive choice. If he runs in and just puts the saber right through Mace's chest. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a a clearer choice for the character. It, it doesn't really work either way, because if he did that, then it would all be just a mis a threes company style misunderstanding. But <laughs> Anakin basically comes in and is legitimately surprised that Mace Windu isn't going to just arrest him rather than behead, you know, like basically execute him there and then. Mm hmm. And then Anakin's hands are tied, really, because he's just like, well, you know, you're both evil. You're both evil. You're both telling me you're going to become <laughs> dictators. This mm -hmm. guy's got something I want. And this guy doesn't. Then this guy is barely giving me a seat on the Jedi Council. Right. I remember when he said the boy will not be trained. <laughs> And, you know, after it's done, after, you know, spoiler alert, Mace Windu falls out of the window. Mm-hmm. And, um... Hey, but just, just... Okay. Ha, is well, there any lore about whether or not Mace Windu actually dies? Because usually when something like this happens... Yeah. Someone doesn't really die. And I, I see him fall out that window. I'm, well, Luke fell off the tower and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got two characters in the last movie that were falling off speeders in the air and falling thousands of feet, no problem. So mm -hmm. I, you know, in my mind, I, I Mace Windu can come back. I tend to think of the of the trope of of no one really being dead in Star Wars as being uh, a byproduct of how bad the storytelling is in the sequels. So I feel like this is a little bit early for that to be an intentional. We won't show him dying because. We want him to mm -hmm. come back in some form. I totally think that they might capitalize on that and we'll have a Mace Windu show or something. Yeah, right. But that's kind of where... That's like a Dave Filoni move rather than a <laughs> than a George Lucas, I think. Because who All gets... Right. Up to this point, who's been, who's been uh, surprise resurrected? No one really, right? I don't know... I don't know the year that... Where I first heard, hey, Darth Maul, not really dead. Oh, yeah. Well, this was, it was after. It was after the prequel trilogy they decided that was uh, the case. Like long after? Well, a few, I don't, well, I don't, I don't, again, I don't know, but in terms of actual history, it was well into Clone Wars, I think, mm. when that was decided. Or at least that was presented to us on screen. Up to that point, it hasn't happened. Yeah, <laughs> historically so. I associate it with the problems of modern Star Wars rather than. Past. I don't think in this Obi era, Obi Wan really did die. So did Yoda. 
Yeah, Obi-Wan really did die. Yoda really did die. So did die. Darth Vader. I think they're legitimately killing off Mace Windu here because they have no further use to him and George Lucas doesn't like, want to make any more Star Wars movies. So That's true. I think, you know, really he's sort of fight. You know, this is the first narrative purpose he served in the entire trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Apart from beheading Jango Fett, which make as much of a difference as you think it might. <laughs> now, what say you... To... So, yeah. Hmm. Well, I had spoken earlier about the first time I saw this, mm-hmm. the idea of the lightning reversing back off of a lightsaber and fucking up Palpatine's face yeah. was the least interesting thing to me to see how he became the withered, the space wizard. Sure. And I have a little bit further evidence like to support my... I like the simplicity my... of that, though. Okay. I just don't think it's that simple. Because I had always, I guess I had, I, I think I had said that as a kid, I had put this idea in my head that the dark side of the force corrupts you so much. I think that that's there. I think that's a possibility. So he, there's, there's two ways uh, I don't, you can I don't read think, I don't think it's there. But two ways the, do, the thing I do think is there is the eyes. Because even Anakin starts getting the, the yellow the eyes. Eye. And I yeah. thought, yeah, so it's He's the... He's on those night flights. Yeah, exactly. And so, to me, that idea is even here in this final movie of the prequels. The idea of the dark side of the Force fucking up your shit. And I, I guess I just always wanted something else to happen. By, by, by no means does this affect what is actually in the movie. But mm-hmm. I believe the novelization conclu- of, of Revenge of the Sith concludes that what is in fact happening here is that the lightning is not deforming him, but it's stripping away his human facade and revealing him to be this space goblin. Okay. Now, I'm not saying, so, you know... It doesn't universe, read that way to me on screen. It no, reads I, I, as I always, the lightning exactly, has fucked up also, my face. It's also never stated definitively that it's a lightning accident. Mm-hmm. You mean in the book or No, on in the film? movie. In the movie, like it... Because he, it's not what what happens to him is not the product of scarring. Also, scars don't heal that quickly. Mm-hmm. He's got those kind of like uh, rubber ridges, the which big, almost looks, yeah, the almost big like, wrinkles, <laughs> as I call them. Yeah, the big wrinkles, and it's almost like you know they've just uh, we were talking about Mission Impossible off mic. It's like they just yeah. pulled the, they just pulled the Wolf Blitzer mask off and. He's a hideous space goblin inside. Well, I think it does read as the lightning is bouncing off of Mace Windu's saber and hitting his face. I do think that's there. But the other thing I don't get is that we see characters take lightning. Luke takes a lot of lightning in Jedi. It doesn't deform yeah. him. Well, that's why I think it might not be... That's not might that, that might have just been a byproduct mm-hmm. of not telling... Of not being clear about what's going on right is that we leave the scene going oh it was a lightning accident and that's his scarring and he does he says this is the other thing he announces to the senate that yeah it's left me deformed it's left me deformed (laughs) remember this guy this guy's record on honesty is not great (laughs) so let's not take his word for it He's Especially not going to say this Jedi attack has has revealed my true face. Yeah, 
he he doesn't say that because that would that would tacitly be admitting that he's an evil Sith. He's Lord quite he'd evil. Planning, he'd be planning this <laughs> right. all along. So, I'm that could easily just be his cover story, and we've all kind of and we've all bought it collectively as an audience. <laughs> All which right. is which when you think about how unreliable a narrator he is that is uh, that is really then some, it makes sense some passive viewing from us oh boy well so I don't I don't, no, I don't I, think I, honestly, I don't think Lucas has done a good job no, it's a if, if that is the case I don't think he's done a, a good enough job as director cluing the audience into no. that but I also think uh, I also think even if that's not the case he's not done a terribly good good job of executing the sequence. <laughs> The person doing a great job, however, as we have said previously, is Ian McDermott, who's always, yeah, who uh, leaves nothing on the table here. There's no nary, a, nary an acting scrap to be found on this scene. Yes. And, you know, it runs the gamut from his kind of pretend, pretend cowardice to the cackling space wizard. And some, <laughs> something else, and I absolutely agree with you about. It doesn't look. It doesn't connect with the emperor we've seen. This, this, this is supposed to be a transformation into right. the emperor we know, and it, there's still a huge gap in the look, the face, and yeah, the voice, right. for that matter. Yeah, I thought the same thing too. And I, it's funny you say that. I never thought that until this watching. I realized that it's different. Unless Emma Dermot is the only person in the cast who's clocked that in twenty years a lot can happen to you physically. And the, yeah, there's right. no reason to play it as if, as if you know, nothing happens for the next 20 years. Uh, but <laughs> if, if so, he's the only actor in the cast playing that, which is perfectly yeah. possible. Something I think I said in our Return of the Jedi episode that I always thought the Emperor was inadvertently cute. Like there was a kind of like he had this little bird face <laughs> that was actually quite cute. And I think he's even cuter here. He's like like a real. He looks like a cuddly toy. Those <laughs> eyes are look, adorable. He kind of looks like ET. Yeah, which I don't <laughs> think is what they're going for. No. And that inadvertent cuteness is like amplified here. <laughs> I never thought of him as cute in those first movies, but I would. I totally get what you're saying in this movie. He's kind of teddy bearish almost. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's like a teddy ruxpin gone wrong. <laughs> or, or or a teddy ruxpin because those fucking things never worked. I had one as a kid. It never fucking worked. So and and it's also disappointing on the Anakin side as well because after after he kills Mace Windu, which was his choice. He mm-hmm. says, uh, "What what have I done?" And I'm like, "So right. Anakin becomes Vader just to avoid a difficult conversation with the Jedi, essentially. <laughs> He's basically like, oh, I don't want to go to them and say... I don't want to tell them that I... I don't want to tell them that Mace, his Mace Windu was, was trying to take over the government. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that's the other thing. When the Emperor stands up and said it's saying the Jedi were trying to take over the government, he's not wrong. Right. <laughs> It wasn't a, like it, it. It didn't just look like Mace Windu was going to do that. He said very he clearly was he was going, going to, to do, do it. <laughs> and one of the other things I I kind of hate about the because this is where he becomes Darth Vader as well, which is something else that is unexpected and doesn't work. Um, 
Is I have the, questions about that. Yeah, it, it was um, it was an issue specific turn to the dark side. So basically, Anakin said, "Okay, so I need this life restoring power. That's why I'm going to turn to the dark side." Right. It's got nothing to do with the the uh, the you know all the trauma and the triggers and his that, you know that we spent two movies yeah. going through. It all just comes down to, you know, uh, this guy's got... <laughs> basically, it's like Dungeons & Dragons. This guy's got the potion. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to roll a six and, yeah. Yeah, right. And it's just... It's all external to the, the, the psychological trauma that we've been accumulating. Right. And it's such a distract. It's such a distraction from what's really going... Or what should really be going on with this guy's character. Well, this is a... A two hour and twenty, two hour and twenty three minute film, and we're an hour and twenty minutes in, and he becomes Lord Vader. Yeah, and I mean, I gotta say, I mean, once once he, you know, signs the, <laughs> he signs as we said, he signs up to Sith Inc. Um, right. First order of business: kill the children. I, th- that's the thing. It's like there's there's no. <laughs> he goes from even. <laughs> he goes from zero to sixty, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. He's reluctantly turning to the dark side, in order to save, as he sees it, save his wife from her impending death. Mm Hmm. You know, minutes later, he's off committing child slaughter. Yeah. No women this time, but you know, he definitely he got a taste children. He got a taste for that child blood. I think. Yeah. Um, And you know, you know like what's funny the... though is that because I, I, I don't care for that turn, like you said, no. it's zero to sixty, so quickly, yeah. and you're talking about a person that made a reluctant choice. He made a choice, yeah. but it was a reluctant choice, and then you kind of double down on that reluctance by having yeah. the character say, "What have I done?" But right. within the moment. When the children all appear and the lightsaber comes down, the, the acting from that one kid when he kind of does that half oh fuck turn, yeah, that's kind of heartbreaking. That poor kid. I like I like the acting choice it in that really, moment of that kid. It really pushes the boundaries of what what should be in a kid friendly adventure movie. I think right, yeah, especially for a trilogy which has sort of uh, pitched itself as being more child friendly than than the even the original yeah i mean think of where we started we're essentially watching you know watching this kind of lizard man uh perform buster keaton routines and now we're we're you know slicing through children like like they're battle droids mm-hmm. it's uh yeah i mean it goes from one extreme to like he immediately becomes a mass murderer i guess he already yeah. is a mass murderer which is, but the film doesn't seem to make that connection either. Like, there should be some sense of his ease of doing this has got something to do with him being steeped in blood from previous, you know, previous acts of slaughter either during the war or prior to that. Mm-hmm. And that link is never made. It, it yeah. is just, it, it's essentially him paying off a debt. Yeah, right. Which is crazy. I mean, they try to wrap it up in some more wicked emperor fast talk nonsense of him saying this is the only way we can make the galaxy safe. 
You got to get rid of the Jedi. That includes the kids. Anyway, good luck. But but no one conflicted acts mm-hmm. this way. Right. That's the and problem. The movie wants us to believe that he's still conflicted about his choice. Mm-hmm. But you, when he's swiping away at, at children's heads like that, it's <laughs> no, no can do. Yeah. And also, I gotta say, like, it, it's another another kind of self retcon from george lucas because you know he he advocated that the reason he wanted anakin so young in the original the phantom menace which we both agree was a mistake mm-hmm. was that i'll you say know, it he again want, he wanted to <laughs> he wanted to uh he wanted to make the point that you know even the most evil people in the world started out as innocent children Mm-hmm. I say, but when you end your trilogy with him slaughtering innocent children, that point is somewhat <laughs> undermined. A little bit. Let me ask you this, because this yeah. thought occurred to me. You know, these movies are all kind of rattling around in my brain over the weeks that we've been recording these podcasts. <laughs> and I, I guess realized... te- I guess technically you could call them weeks. Yes. Months <laughs> yes. would also be yeah. an accurate statement. That, that's true. But I I realize that you go into these prequels and I think you have a preconceived notion that Vader has to become Vader in the third film. Does he? No. What if he became Vader at the end of the second film? Uh, He might as well have done because all the psychological work is done in the second movie. So at least at least the turn has the turn has begun. Mm hmm by the end of the second movie. But again, you know, it's funny how one problem begets another problem. You just brought up the idea of such a young kid in the first movie. If you have Hayden Christensen in the first movie, you know... I I also think they missed the... You can start further along those lines, you know? Well, I also think they missed the boat having decided to to do that. They should have put in another 10-year gap between... Uh, the second and third film and cast a different actor to play Anakin again, once again. Because I don't understand the logic of keeping Hayden Christensen to play older than he is. You don't like any continuity? Well, they've already... Yeah, but it's not... I I get what you're saying in the fact that they already had a... The continuity would be recasting the actor and keeping the time between movies... Consistent. But what what would be your preference? Three different actors yeah, or Hayden Christensen for Do you all know three? Ma- you know how many actors have played Darth Vader? The damage has been done. <laughs> Already. <laughs> Probably more actors have played that one character than any other in, in pop culture history. So. I think I'd like to see one actor doing all three of these movies. Sure, if that's the story they're telling, and they they, yeah. they take place kind of close to each other. But if, like I say, if you're going to start young, do that ten year gap, you've you've got to make it work for the entire trilogy. You can't just back away from it from the third film, like in the in the third installment. <laughs> All right, there there you got me. I agree with you there. Well, I mean, what we're essentially both saying is we would like it to be we would like this to be different in many different ways in many different ways i you know it's funny because i've talked a lot about the ages of all the actors and i think that your idea i think compounds the problem because if you have natalie portman and uh you mcgregor you mcgregor thank you 
So if you have Natalie Portman and Ewan McGregor through all three movies, but you change the Darth Vader actor as though they're aging quite a bit and these other two mm. actors aren't aging at all, yeah, you know, I think everything that well, doesn't you've... sit right with me between one and two goes further mm. along those lines. Yeah, that would be a, a different kind of inconsistency, but one I could live with more easily. Okay. I think it would get um, under my skin. <laughs> and hence why no two Star Wars fans can agree with each other <laughs> on any one thing anymore, right? <laughs> this is what has happened to us as a community. But I'd like to say right now that I'm definitely right. <laughs> It's, uh, I've entered that into the record. Fine. Uh, so there Thank you, go. you. Yeah. It doesn't say at all Mike is a wiener. That's not what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk Let's talk Order 66. Yeah, the 66 of it all. Because this sort of happens mid-Temple mid slaughter. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, stuff interchanged. Doesn't Space Jimmy Smith's... Does yeah. it, he comes in at one point. And he's after just, Order sixty six. That's been, after Order sixty six. Yeah, he's while well, Order sixty six is being filled. Yeah, <laughs> but there's a couple of teenage Jedi that weren't slaughtered, or at least one, because that that Jedi is sort of the one that allows yeah. Space Jimmy Smith to escape. I also don't understand why all the bad well, guys say let him go. It's Space Jimmy Smith. Well, so I mean, first of all. Space Jimmy Smith is finally entering the plot yeah. after two movies of standing around in the background. Mm -hmm. Now suddenly he's the lead character. Yeah, I know. Because the story the story demands it requires. That he becomes the lead. Yeah. Uh which I think is hilarious. It, I mean it literally feels like he the that Lucas forgot about him and now he has no choice but to make him the right. lead of the movie. I wrote down uh, Jimmy Smith's I'm, escapes I'm grateful because that it, I'm, Yeah. It's grateful I'm grateful that it is Jimmy Smith. Yeah, not for sure. Actor. Um, but it's 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 not you know it's not a very gratifying role for him to play up until this point. Uh, he's got that terrible line, uh, and so it is, which yeah you know is the is the the most placeholdery line I've ever heard in the history of placeholder lines. <laughs> I think you you must have mentioned that. I it, did. That's yeah. the line that you I, mentioned, right? In the I guess it it's was up the, there with the ranking episode. Dialogue is, yeah. Yeah. I, I know exactly how that line came about. George was just like, well, he's got to say something at the end of the scene. But I don't have any content to give him. <laughs> and so it is. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk We'll talk a little bit later about what it means to have surviving Jedi out there. Because I think, I think had they not said that line modern Star Wars would be in a much better state than it is currently in. Uh, I really wish that they were just wiped out. like Because up until this point, that is what we thought mm -hmm. was the case. Apparently, there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what do you think? Order 66, the thing that always strikes me is, again, like the biblical nature of it and how, how much Christian allegory is like mm -hmm. part of this trilogy from... From there was no father onwards. Right, right. <laughs> uh, like Order sixty six, really, it's a little on the nose. Well, and that the other, th you know, the other part of it to me is, you know, the the movie feels like it's at a point where it could get really messy. Mm -hmm. 
because we have to have, either have a three and a half hour movie or this three, four minute montage to kill some Jedi yeah. and clean up some shit so that we can get to Lava Planet. And so That's where they got the idea for that nine and a half minute uh, killing spree in Breaking Bad. <laughs> Absolutely. They should have timed, should have had the Emperor like pressing right? the timer on his watch. <laughs> A blue thunder kind of Roy Scheider thing, and as far as we as far as we can tell, only only Yoda and Obi Wan escape this, which they they have no choice but to escape. They must. Because <laughs> they must. the The manner in which Yoda survives, I think, once again underuses the Wookies in the room. Mm -hmm. I feel like. I, like, we already know that he's capable of defending himself, so it, I think it would have been fine if the Wookiees are the ones that saved him. Did something. And then that and then that would give us some them some purpose in the film, right? Right. That would give us some reason they're, for, for their appearance in the film. They're totally ornamental as it is. It's just like, look, everyone, Wookiees. Yeah. And when you see a scene like this, you go, it would have been really easy to give them something to do. Mm-hmm. Like, save Yoda from his death. <laughs> right. And it would have been a nice, like, applause moment in the audience. It would have well. been. I think. I think in at George's a, at a time when we really, we really need something to cheer, cheer the crowd. I think in George's mind, though, there's nothing that the Wookies possess that would give them Yoda-type insight to bad feelings. Right. Well, it could just be like a like a Frank Drebin sort of, um, you know, after after I ripped their arms off, I realized that they were traitors. Yeah. <laughs> But I think you could, all, you know, I think you could say something interesting about the Wookiees. Them, Definitely. Or anything interesting Anything, about yes. You know, this idea that the character that referred to as the walking carpet yeah. since movie one actually possesses quite a bit of intellect. and Is a war hero. And, yeah, right. Yeah. Would have been great. And I also, like the idea that, that the Wookiees could sense something out, suss it out. Yeah, totally. I mean, they're, you know, think about what they're based on. Bears and wolves and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have great... They, they, you know, they could... Oh, except in this galaxy, it's the Ewoks who possess all those kind of... <laughs> that kind of uh, instinctive foresight. Right. I, By the way, I wrote down, Yoda kills troopers and escapes after obligatory Chewbacca sighting. Yeah. It's just so you can you can scratch out his spot on the bingo card, isn't it? Right. If you get eight Chewbacca shinings, you get a free, you get a free popcorn. <laughs> and this is we're kind of we're we're jumping around a little bit, but uh, it's it's after we see Yoda um, save himself from death that the the painfully Anakin approaches the uh, the Jedi the younglings. And we get yeah. the painfully British child asking for help. And I just right. think, like, in, in their head, like, it's just that Lucasfilm nostalgia for that Elstree era where British children were just roaming around all the franchises. Like, in Superman <laughs> 2, the British kid who's in the The British kid in the year. town. And yeah. I, think, I presume George Lucas was like, get a British kid! What do you mean there's not one here? <laughs> Maybe George Lucas just thought they were, like, Wild animals who hung around yeah. Studios. Following Yoda's 
self-rest. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the term. Yoda doesn't die because he figures it out ahead of time. Yeah. Because uh, Jedi's can see the future, as has been established. Um, mm-hmm. Not too far into the future, but, you know, just see things before they happen. Right. Although I don't know why all the other Jedis didn't see it. Anyway, we can't get into that. It doesn't, um, <laughs> yeah, no, like, you can't get into that. It's a, it's a, it's a can of worms. Do you think they were going for, like, an E.T. moment when he leaves in his little spaceship and goes back to Coruscant? I, yeah, I did make a note about it, yeah. Because I, it doesn't the, doesn't the music even feel reminiscent does, in the moment? yeah. It does, yeah. I mean, well, I mean... <laughs> How much is that? The I one know, score. I know, I know your theory. <laughs> Can I tell you something about? I don't. I, I really don't want to take us down tangents on this particular episode, but yes. I got to tell you something about my recent uh, viewing of a, of a of a movie that had music by John Williams in, just to prove that I can, <laughs> I blindly adhere to the one score theory without even knowing. Uh-huh. I was watching Presumed Innocent, as is my want. And uh, I, good movie. The, uh, great movie. The movie start begins, and you've got that you know bored Harrison Ford voice voiceover because guy doesn't like. <laughs> That's being how in he a, does voiceover. Guy doesn't like being in a voiceover studio, and yet most of his <laughs> movies begin with voiceovers. And uh, then the music comes, and I'm like, God, it's, it's like this really sounds like the Harry Potter soundtrack. Literally seconds later, music by John Williams comes up on the screen. <laughs> So it's not just a prejudice. It's all. It, it's based on. It's it's based on uh, blind tasting, as well. All right. I didn't know. He, I also didn't know he did the music for JFK. Really? I well, I didn't know that. I'm surprised that he did Presumed Innocent. Now I have to watch it to listen for Harry Potter. And uh, yeah, the, <laughs> there's a lot of Harry Potter in that score. Anyway, that was all an right. attention. But. So a couple of things about the E.T. moment is that Mm -hmm. I get it because these are our most loved aliens, right? A Yoda and a Wookiee. Right. So I get why they're leaning into that. He's only going back to Coruscant. This scene <laughs> he's not, yeah. feels like he's gone, going, he's leaving, for, and again, he's going point, to Dagobah. The right. point of ET is he's going forever. You're never going to see him again. That's what. That's yeah. why it's so affecting, and yet he's just going back to his his house again. We don't know where Jedi's live, but let's assume he's got like a <laughs> like a janitor's whatever in the temple. So he's going right. back there. He's not going. <laughs> he's not going to Dagobah yet, unless, as I suspect, might be the case. This was supposed to be him going to Dagobah, and they rewrote right. it because that's what well, it feels I, like. I seem to recall. I don't know that it was. I I don't know if the story beat was added later or something because mm-hmm. there there is a cut scene of him yeah. landing at Dagobah. That's right, and they said it was the most painful scene to cut in the whole movie. Yeah, but they couldn't right. justify it uh, being in there. Being in there, right? Which is a, a hell of a statement to make given some of the things that happen in this movie. <laughs> Anything involving is, General Grievous fantastic. could go, so we could see, because because uh, ba- so basic- we could get ten more seconds of Yoda yeah, landing he, on Dagobah. Essentially, Come on. as I, as it's described, all that happens is he lands, and then his his ship sort of becomes his house. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, I quite like to see that. I don't care that it's not important to the story. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
And it's at this point, at this point, we see the familiar white corridor, which is the the what is it the Tanti Four? Is that the name of the ship? The first ship we see in yeah Star Wars. Uh, so this is the point at which George is like, "Come on, we got, we really gotta, <laughs> we really gotta, we gotta start, start connecting <laughs> these, <laughs> yeah, yeah. these, like, pre, these, George, movie, these sets of movies." George, it doesn't go together. I don't care. <laughs> Weld it, glue it, do whatever you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all. It also implies that I, when I saw, because when I see that white corridor at the beginning of Star Wars, I assume that this is trying to establish the look of all spaceships in Star Wars, that that's its purpose. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is what the inside of a spaceship looks like in this galaxy. Right. This movie, because no other spaceship looks like this in this prequel trilogy. Apart from this trilogy. Right. Exactly. It's like, Oh, so all that aesthetics is based on one ship. (laughs) I guess, I guess it's just particular to Dantooine. Right. Yeah. And obviously it's, it's becoming very familiar also because it's R2-D2 and C-3PO there. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to fall into their roles as onlookers. Right. At one point, they, uh, C-3PO says, hush, not so loud, while he's trying to watch what's going on. And it's just like, it makes them seem like real perverts that they're actively... <laughs> we never saw them actively eavesdropping in the original trilogy in the way that they do yeah. here. Does he have a does three PO have a moment where he says, "Well, he is under a lot of stress." Or two? He really does. He really right? genuinely does. He is a he's a, a homo, he's a he's a mass murder <laughs> he's apologist. A, apologist. Yeah, he's like Leonard Maltin when uh, at the beginning of I Warner Brothers that cartoons. A couple, I imagine that the beeps of R two must have been. I think this fucker killed a lot of kids. Yeah. And C-3PO just for like, well, he is under a lot of stress, R2. It's interesting as well. You made exactly the same point in the previous episode about the beginning of the movie that I have here. R2-D2, having him as Anakin's sidekick in these scenes makes him an mm-hmm. accomplice to a murder spree. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. There is something unsavory about yeah, him. Yeah. By being... the way, because he's not done murdering, we no. got to go to Lava Planet. Sure. He's got plenty and of killing on that left ship, to do. Isn't he? He is. Yeah. Yeah. And you notice that the second Anakin gets off the ship, R two starts following. He says, "Stay here, R two." And that's just for the audience's benefit to yeah. make sure that they don't have to watch R two watching a lot of murder. But why is he? Why is he there at all? They they could have come up with a bullshit story reason why he wasn't. He he wasn't there. Absolutely, yeah. Or they could have just have him fly away because that's been a star- <laughs> that would have been amazing. If as soon as they're off the ship, he turns around. R two just goes, "I'm out of here." If, if through a window, <laughs> if through a window he sees him get cut down, new gun right, he's like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> and he takes off. Like Poochie. Oh, that would have been great. Poochie <laughs> <laughs> style, yeah. yeah. Oh. Although, so, while while all, you know, what they do with how they use R2 in these scenes is is really unsettling, mm-hmm. I think this is, the, this is the only moment in the entire prequel trilogy where C-3PO is written properly because he's, he just, he says, I feel so helpless. Now, only C-3PO can take a situation like this and make it all about himself. Right. (laughs) That is the essence of this guy. Boiled down. 
I did. I did like that moment. I don't mind telling you that listening to the like while listening to the commentary and every once in a while, Anthony Daniels pops up. I get that sense from him as well. Yeah. All his commentary revolves around. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's there's one portion where he's talking about everybody's finally looking at me, and I was like, Jesus Christ! I I, I, I read a review <laughs> of his autobiography written by um, Alex Robinson from Star Wars Minutes, and he more or less says the same thing. Oh, he's got that Willie. He's got that uh, R.I.P. William Friedkin dis- disease of yeah. Somehow every anecdote he tells, he comes out on top. Right. Um, and and it is not historically reported the same. <laughs> so Yoda and Obi Wan have... uh, meet back at. Yeah, right. That's where I was. Yeah, they're so. It's and weird we're kind of you... juxtaposing between yeah. them fighting and getting into the temple and the emperor, hmm. uh, you know, killing liberty. <laughs> um, it's written as if Yoda has to be persuaded to save more Jedi. Because he's initially reluctant to send out that message. Right. And the only thing that convinces him is like, oh, we can get more information out about what happened. And I'm like, well, that shouldn't be your smoking gun for why you do this. <laughs> Should true. be to save the lives of all the Jedi that, that are still in the galaxy, of whom there are many. Right. <laughs> I do like him throwing his lightsaber, though. Who throwing his lightsaber? Yoda. At this point? Yeah, as they're fighting to get into the temple. He has a oh, lightsaber throw yeah, yeah, yeah. at a clone. Mm-hmm. That's good fun. And then we're on the we're on Mustafa, the old the lava planet. Because I don't think anyone uh, I I would if I, I would not set up shop on a lava planet. That's just me. <laughs> and this is this is interesting because it brings into canon the idea of Anakin becoming Vader after Obi-Wan drops him in a lava pit, which I don't know where that comes from, but I knew it I knew it was going to happen before I saw it in Revenge of the Sith, which makes me think it's in a novelization or in some really? kind of expanded universe, maybe a trading mm. card or something. Because I I don't know that I, I knew have, this I, I, when I, I had any the, sense. I, I knew this I don't as, read the yeah. novels, but well, I, I hadn't either. It was like again, it was the rumor mill, which, mm-hmm. you know, often dispensed inaccurate information, like there are bits of Jabba right. flying off the barge but, explosion. <laughs> but, but occasionally they come, they come up with a nugget of truth. Like, mm. I remember someone saying to me, oh, yeah, he's the, the reason he's in the he's in the machine body is because he got burnt. And when Obi-Wan, uh, they fought a duel and Obi-Wan put him in a lava pit. That's what happens here. But this was about <laughs> 10, 15 years before that happened. So... Hmm. It must be something that was in it wasn't the ether. Legend, it wasn't legends at the time. It was canon at the time, but it's subsequently been been reclassified as legends. But it was something from that legends year of the expanded universe that was hmm. legitimized in canon. And there's a few things like this in this ending, which is like I knew going into the film that this was going to happen, but I had no idea where I where it was because it wasn't in any of the original trilogy movies. Mm-hmm. So, it's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I knew that was how <laughs> uh, Anakin became Vader. You knew he was crispy before Revenge of the Sith. I knew he was going to get dropped in lava at some point. Huh. 
So it comes. From I can't some- say that I did. It comes from somewhere. New- yeah, yeah, we New- kind of mentioned it, but Vader does land, and he just he he just gets rid of every accomplice that ever lived. Yeah, and again, by killing them, we never learn how much New Gunray knew about what was going on. We really don't. He's gone forever. <laughs> um. So it's interesting because in. I don't know if this is this even matters in the big scheme of things, but in this in in Attack of the Clones, wasn't it? Didn't Dooku say that Newt Gunray had turned his back on Sidious after being portrayed from the events of Phantom Menace? I think so. So I don't know if he if Newt Gunray subsequently came back into the fold and Dooku was lying. Or... It all, yeah, it complicates everything we've been wondering about Dooku too, because he's yeah. with Dooku, you know. Yeah, so exactly. How how much are they working together? How much is he telling the Emperor mm. or Palpatine? There's a maybe, lot of unresolved questions around Newt Gunray. Maybe it was a good move to kill him. I mean, also, it makes the movie less racist to to have to him finally get rid of alive. him. So maybe it's not a bad choice. And this is where you get your red eyes yeah, for Anakin, uh, which I think is hilarious because at this point they're trying to explain every detail of the original trilogy, no matter how inconsistently it was deployed, even in the original trilogy. So (laughs) Vader doesn't always have red eyes, right? He has red eyes sometimes and sometimes not. And yet the movie still feels like it needs to explain why he would have red eyes on certain occasions and not on others. (laughs) It's just what you should just stay away from it. If it does it already doesn't make sense, don't make it make less sense. <laughs> don't don't further complicate yeah. the complicated. And don't we we kind of we go back and forth cuz Obi-Wan goes to see Padme. Mhm. Yeah. I think Ewan McGregor is really good in that scene. Uh, yeah, I think he's great throughout the movie. I think he's his performance is outstanding. He, I don't know if it's just because the whole thing is over and he gets to live his life Maybe. like a normal human yeah. being again but he looks right. he looks like he's floating on he, air he looks tired <laughs> no i think he, the opposite he's kind of like gone beyond tired and he's just delirious and ready to be done oh i see <laughs> and he's got a big smile on his face the entire time because he knows it's his last days on set maybe i don't know maybe he's genuinely enjoying himself According to the behind-the-scenes footage, he loved all the physical work attached to it, the, the fight choreography. Yes. He, re- yeah. he went for that in a big way, which mm-hmm. is to his credit, I think. Uh, you know, yeah, I think so, too. Other actors would have been, I think, a bit more skeptical of the importance of that, but he threw himself into mm-hmm. it. Well, I always I keep thinking about that scene with Padme. I think they're both pretty good in it, and I think overall it's a pretty well-done scene, but I also... I wish it was more. Mm. If there was more of the triangle we had talked about yeah. in the last episode, like how much could, how much mileage could you have gotten out of this scene? Because it's again as a parallel to what I was saying in the last episode, like this needs to be more, like without cursing the podcast further, more like Macbeth, right? It's more like it should be more like <laughs> he comes back from war and there's a continuity into genocide and 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 murder. Yeah. This should also this the end of this movie should be more like Othello. Like I can see, mm, mm. I can see the outline of the Othello storyline, the love triangle. Uh, sure, you know, 
in in later scenes, Anakin is gonna is gonna accuse is gonna nearly kill right. Padme based on an accusation that is based on false ba- information that based a, on one Superman pose. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, and an, and another, um, you know, and and with with the the Emperor as the kind of Yago figure in there. Yeah. So the 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 outline is there, but without there being any romantic interest established. Right. It kind of falls really flat. So they sh- really should have just played it as, you know, just just kind of like textbook <laughs> plagiarized Othello for this ending. We would have all loved yeah. it. I mean, I, I wrote down uh, it could have been maybe one of the best scenes in the series, but Lucas doesn't care about emotions. Which scene is that? You have to be more the specific. one between Obi-Wan and Padme. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> Scene I really well, do. I'd really. Oh, do we need a break? Yeah, I was gonna say we're we're about to get to a huge labor or a labor of a huge a huge laser sword fight. So did you wait, say maybe a labor, we should take a break? A labor fight. A labor fight. You're not wrong because we're about to go back in the Senate. That's true. Yeah. I think we're in the middle of a debate about labor relations. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get the line. Yeah. So yeah, why don't we take a break and we'll take, come back? Let's take a break and then we'll return to C-SPAN after these messages. <laughs> Space C-SPAN. Right after, right after we sell you some cereal. <laughs> I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are, finishing up. Finally with the prequels. Gotta get done with Revenge of the Sith. All right, Tom. That's how the movie. That's how the movie feels about the movie. <laughs> yeah. We gotta get this. It's like the from this. It point does on, feel like movie. that, doesn't it? We gotta it? get it's this like, done. We have to get this done. We got a deadline, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole rest of this movie is we gotta basically. Pull an all-nighter. <laughs> yeah, the whole rest of this movie is basically, you know, Obi Wan is fighting. With Anakin and Yoda is fighting with the Emperor, and that's it. 
pretty much. Oh well, well, Padme gives birth to the two leads of the. Well, until the yeah, until the end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they're only going to devote about four minutes to that, Tom. Tell me about it. Yeah, I got a lot to say about the amount of time spent (laughs) on that. And, and thought. Well, well, and I guess when we left, we, I mean, we kind of referenced it, but the Palpatine is giving a quite a speech. It's a great scene. Another great scene. Uh, I think one of the things you can say about this uh, this trilogy is that everything that George Lucas put into place with regards to Senate Senate politics really pays off. <laughs> right? It might not be people's first choice for what's in a for Star what's Wars in movie. A movie. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, like he he really he does, he he pushes through on this idea. It can't be denied. I'll tell you a, that much. And I I think the scene is great. I mean, there are echoes obviously of the what's going on in American society with the Patriot Act. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the using the subterfuge of nine eleven to get the democratic chambers of government behind fascism essentially, which is what was happening. Yeah. In in the real world. Right. Um, and so I think I, you know, it's and so you know, mul- this has happened multiple times since in American society, where everyone sure. has kind of rallied around a, a semi-dictator. That's a, a terrible idea, right? Yeah. Well, and also to think at that time about how derided you were if you were a dissenter. Absolutely. Yeah. And to th- and again, that's the bravery of a line like, so this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you have a recent memory of people, of everyone in, on the, uh, on the floor of Congress standing, you know, giving a standing ovation to George Bush. Right. As every, everyone bar a handful of politicians voted to mm-hmm. unanimously to go to war. Sure. You know, it's, and I, I, that's clearly well, that's clearly part of this. But also, if you think about it in terms of the previous three films, it's our only sort of through line. It's the only thing that yeah, right, right, really right. comes to fruition in any of the storytelling. Right. Except Vader will become Vader. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really I think it's really good. Um, I'm glad. It, feel, it feels like... It, I think it, it's good for what it my is. My note is, it, but... it's like, in the big scheme of things, this part of the movie, this part of the franchise really pays off <laughs> in a way that other aspects of the fran- franchise don't. I, th- I think, I take, I, think I take issue with the word really. But everything about this, everything about this manipulation of the Senate kind of... No, tracks. that's true. I, I have... You, you're right about that. You know, it's... It's a story idea he came up with, and he stuck with it to the end. Don't patronize me. (laughs) That I agree with completely. That is correct. It is a film. It is things that happen in a film. You are correct. Well done. Well done for noticing that. But, you know, it's funny. I mean, you know, you have the line. You have the... The line about liberty and this is how it dies to thunderous applause. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I guess I, I, my hope is that, and I assume that you're right that George Lucas was, you know, really making a parallel with what was going on in our country at the time. I think so. I hope yeah. so. I think it's pretty obvious by this point. Yeah, that that's the implication. But it's weird, right, that he sneaks this by like not sneaks, but. 
just the idea the that thing, this is the main thing his, in, yeah. in these movies at a time but this, but, yeah. when America didn't yeah. want to hear it. When America absolutely didn't want to hear yeah. it. And I think that factors into the, the poor reception. I also think, you know, this this kind of real-world politics is a kind of turn-off for a lot of yeah, right. fans of science fiction fantasy. That's a big part of it, too. Sure. Although, I think the goalposts are changing on that, because, the I, I don't know, the idea of a show like Andor being successful mm-hmm. kind of relies on you buying into this kind of C-SPAN version of Star Wars, yeah. which is presented here. So, I don't know if people's... I don't know what the change is. Is it people's taste? Is it the fact it's TV, not a movie? But I'm I'm always I'm always surprised by the success of Andor and people's continuing dislike of these scenes from the prequel mm-hmm. trilogy. I like it a lot. I think it I think it pays off. I think it works. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, I mean, does it pay off enough that this is what we should have been following for three movies for you? Good question. Although I I don't know how do you avoid it. I mean, I guess the emperor could become the emperor through something other than politics, but that's where that's where comparison to the original trilogy will do you no good right. because the original trilogy talked about all of this off screen and it didn't change anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it was in the first movie. It was just Peter Cushing coming into a room and going, "Senate's gone. Yeah. Get over right. it." <laughs> you know, and the stuff about regional governors, and it's like. It's like, that's really all you need. You don't need to cut away to it and show mm-hmm. it. Uh, but this is the opposite approach, isn't yeah, it? It's totally. like, we sort of, we designed this elaborate uh, set piece of the Senate, which is kind of like, uh, you know, one of the, one of our uh, biggest sort of visual tricks of the whole mm-hmm. franchise, uh, the whole trilogy. So, I don't know. I think it, it's, it's, again, you're caught between... You're caught between two camps of did it need to be there in the first place, but given that it's there, yeah, is it not right. at least good that that it feels coherent and consistent in a way that most of the storylines in the that I agree, there. yeah, that I'll agree with you. Yeah, it is a through line that you can follow, and it has a resolution because you can look back and go, hey, you know all that stuff with Chancellor Valorum, it, it, it paid off in the it end. It mattered. Took two movies, but it paid <laughs> right. off. We didn't just waste Terence Tant's time. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> Only wasted his time a little bit. And, you know, it does. the other good thing about it is it doesn't conspicuously clash with anything in the original trilogy. So we know that... And a lot of these movies the does. To, so, yeah, there's... A lot of, yeah. yeah uh, when we get to, you know, uh, when we get to uh, Star Wars, we know the political situation is it's an empire with a, with a kind of um, lame duck senate. Mm-hmm. That has just been dissolved. So that's good. That's that you know it 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 fits into the established timeline sure. as well. In a way, in Star Wars, more. there's even everything, that everything we see yeah. from this point doesn't. You even have the line in Star Wars about how will the Emperor maintain control? Well, this fucking battle station. That's how. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Why is it taking us so long to build it? Stop asking questions. Be quiet. Uh, <laughs> shut your fu- <laughs> shut your dirty whore mouth. <laughs> Vader, choke him. <laughs> he has script notes. Choke yeah. him. Yoda and Obi-Wan look at the, secure, the security hologram footage from the Jedi Temple. Mm-hmm. It's not good. And it's not good. <laughs> and, and Obi-Wan uh, recalibrates the 
um, the Order 66 signal so that it does the opposite of what it's supposed mm -hmm. to. So if that was the Antichrist, this is the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is the line that I think gets us in, that, that is, you know, given carte blanche to people making Star Wars now to do what the fuck they want with the Jedi, which is, they say, you know, sending out a message to all surviving Jedi. Mm -hmm. Right. So now, now we can entertain the possibility that there are more Jedi out there than we thought, and it never ends. No, of course not. It doesn't fit. It does. Really, there should really only be Yoda and Obi Wan for any of the original trilogy to make sense. Because there's so much made of Luke being the last of his kind, and yeah, but it's just based on what I kn and they know that, and Yoda and Obi Wan know that, right? Like, but I guess I, I where does this where does the Soka factor into there is another? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Did we cut away too quickly? And he was like, "And another, yeah, and, another. and another." Oh, and there's this, uh, there's this woman with a with a nice ass uh, who drives around on a speeder. You know. <laughs> anyway. I guess that for me, look, you're right. But how can we assume that there's just nobody else that's ever going to be born without a little force in them? You know, they're they're just. They're always gonna. Oh, I mean, I, and I get yeah, what you're I, under, mean, I get what you're saying yeah. about actual Jedi, but there are you know yeah. people that are underdeveloped or that it kind just, of thing. But I just think, well, it's not about underdevelopment. It's just like the Disney era kind of jumped on this, mm -hmm. as, and if they'd have closed the door, it closed the story door here and just said they're extinct, mm -hmm. right? Apart from apart from these these people who are in hiding. Another big problem with this scene, at least to, to my mind, and again, this, this links into Disney Plus era Star Wars, Obi-Wan knew that Anakin had renamed himself Darth Vader. Right. So there's no way he wouldn't have found out in the next 10 years that he wasn't still alive. Yeah. So they fucked themselves from both sides. <laughs> He, he certainly shouldn't be surprised that he survived. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, Yoda is consistent in getting, trying to get other Jedi to kill their loved ones. <laughs> <laughs> always. He's always the one that's like, here's what you do next. You gotta you go kill, out and kill the person. You gotta <laughs> kill the person closest to you. Because doesn't, doesn't uh, Obi-Wan's like, he's like a brother to me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's the point. You're just like, the point that is. <laughs> right. You can't have it. You can't have a friend. You can't have someone you, you love so much and are so close to. That's not the Jedi way. But, but he's the one who tells Luke to try and kill his father twice. Yeah. <laughs> kill your dad, I said. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Luke's like, whoa! I didn't see that coming. I thought you were gonna say something about peace and defense or something. No, absolutely nope. not. Go ahead and go ahead and kill one of the only surviving members of your family. I always felt like in the original trilogy, it it you know it it feels more Shakespearean. It feels like a terrible choice, but you know that idea of the galaxy is in danger until mm -hmm. we get rid of this Death Star, the Emperor, and Vader. And you're the one. You're the chosen one. You're the you're the person that this. I'm sorry it falls on your shoulders, but go ahead and do it. 
when you add these trilogy like, yeah. movies of we're just the Jedi's are shitty, and we're just gonna yeah. always tell you to do the shitty thing. Like I I blame the original trilogy so much less than I do once you add these three movies. Sure, maybe he's just like he's like George Clooney and up in the air. He's the mm-hmm. he's the Jedi they send out to break bad news. Yeah, exactly. So it's always like it. Like if you see Yoda, kind of if you see Yoda's silhouette coming around the corner with his, you're like, oh, like, oh fuck, I'm gonna, I gotta, <laughs> I'm gonna get so fired. I'm gonna have to kill thirty people. A word with you, I would like to. <laughs> My next note is all droid units must be shut down immediately, and I had mm-hmm. a Mandela effect moment with this because I kept expecting oh. there to be a cutaway to droids battle droids all across the galaxy being shut down Mm -hmm. in my head that's what followed that line so i think i think i'm misremembering it based on the scene in the phantom menace where they were all where anakin blows up the were they yeah right droid station and they all cut down but i think i'm merging that in my mind with order 66 and i I, like (laughs) that it's also lucas having to write around what isn't there in the original yeah because like there's no there's no sign of any battle droids anymore, <laughs> so it's just like ah, uh, so we're writing them. He might as well have said, write out the droid units. <laughs> I had a note that uh, Obi Wan slips onto Padme's ship in full CGI, not unlike Indiana Jones on the top of a train. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I also. I, I think it's very cool where he uses the force to shut that door, but would that right. door not have shut anyway? <laughs> it's an Star Trek door. style. Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it just is it more is it more substantiation to the Pete the retailer theory that it's that the force is all done with magnets? <laughs> this is really not something you need to use the force for. It's very cool. It's very cool though. Yeah, he's got a good look. Good finger action in this because he does that he does. pose, that fight mm-hmm. pose with the fingers, which mm-hmm. yeah, I've never seen before or since. I don't know if it's a reference to anything in martial arts, but I I have no idea. <laughs> I have no cool. idea why okay. he does it or why it's there. Yeah, but you're right. Looks good. It does look good. So Anakin and Padme on the on the runway. I don't know what you call kind it. Kind of, sorta. <laughs> yeah. Um, he mentions his mother again, which is good. Um, because mm-hmm. that should have been what this was all about. So the screenplay is remembering that that, that was... This is another part for me where I, I, I'm constantly thinking about little tweaks. Yes, things I'd definitely. rather be saying, you know? And he, he, repre- he represents the inbuilt floor of the Sith business model as well. <laughs> right. Because he's already, yes. start, he's already planning to overthrow... Yeah, it's going to be you <laughs> the and Emperor. me. And I also have a note here that says, when he says to Padme, you and I can rule the galaxy together, it's like he doesn't know his wife at all. It's like, he, yeah, absolutely. He doesn't understand, you know. She has none of his fascist ideas and wantings and yearnings. Exactly. She's Hillary Clinton, not Ava Peron. Exactly right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but it's kind of also quite funny that, you know, he... Does he just keep making that promise to literally anyone? Yeah, <laughs> right. Because he makes right. the same promise to Luke. Does to he just Luke, go right. around in the next twenty years, go to like anyone? Just it could guys be you and me. Street, like you and me, row the galaxy together. Come on, yeah. I gotta get out. I'm in this kind of Sith uh, 
pyramid scheme. I got to get a, out of it's it. It's a little weird for me right now. <laughs> it is now. a pyramid scheme, isn't it? Because <laughs> the apprentice has to kill the master to sort of like stay alive. <laughs> it's a total Sith pyramid scheme. Uh, he paraphrases George W. Bush as well. He says, "If you're not with me, then you're my enemy." He does, yeah. Is is a Yodaism of what George what George W. Bush says? <laughs> if you're not with us, you're against us. <laughs> I can't imagine that's coincidental. No, right? Yeah. Did you notice what Christian said? He's, this has been talked about uh, in supplementary material, but Christensen what he did to try and bridge the gap between him and James Earl Jones. No. He started lips? to... Uh, he took it oh, upon no, himself wait. to... Oh, no, Just the voice, right? <laughs> I said just the lips. <laughs> That's David Prowse. <laughs> the lips. Well, he, David Prowse is more than just the lips. No, I said lifts. Oh, lifts. Okay, I thought you meant like... <laughs> I thought for some reason you thought that the mask was like missing a piece and you could see David <laughs> Cross's lips. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> he started to slow down his uh, and modify his speech so that, that uh, his speech pattern would start, would blend in with James Earl Jones. Just at this point? I think he's doing it throughout the movie, but at this point mm. it starts to, that's why he's speaking so slowly and in measured terms because... All right. So, you know, he's out there making choices. That's, that's diligent work from an actor. Yeah, I think so. I'm on so. board for that. Coming up here is, I think, Yoda's most badass moment in the whole franchise, which, you know, reminds us that you don't need all that frog hopping from the last movie. Mm-hmm. Because when he comes into the Emperor's chambers and then just, just floors those two Imperial those guards. Those two Imperial guards. <laughs> it's so It's such a cool moment. I love it. I, it makes me laugh every single time. Sit just down, fuckers. He floors those two. <laughs> yeah. I remember getting laughter in the movie theater as well when, when, Do when you? it happened. Yeah, the first mm. time I saw it. But I also so have a weird moment where yeah. I, I think to myself, Come on, even I know that lightning's gonna be coming at you, Yoda. Put up a defense. <laughs> well, they don't. I mean, <laughs> by their own admission, they're ignorant about what the Sith are capable of. All right, fine. And if they haven't realized it by now, <laughs> I don't think they ever will. So at this point, we 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 split our focus between the two right. duels. So right. So it's it's, it's like say, forty-five it's minutes of two fights. Yes, not quite that long, but it certainly feels that way. I think it is. The beginning of the Obi-Wan Anakin duel, I think, is, is one hell of a fight. It's sequences. So I do too. You know, I. I even like that they both have the same color lightsaber because that underlines where mm, they Yeah, both that, I, come I from. made a note that that's sort of the first people time we're hate seeing that, that right? Really? Some people like Pete the Re- like former guest of the show, Pete the Retailer, really hate that. Mm. That. Uh, that you can't tell whose lightsaber's hitting whose, which is a valid point. On the other hand, I think it's supposed to be metaphorical for this yeah, particular Yeah, for thing. sure. It'd be weird if he t- turned red. There's a couple of things within this fight. One, all We're credit... about the beginning of the fight, which is no, just, I understand. The phys- just the physical part. So, and well, I'll keep Free it there rats. for now. The, the fight moves at a pace where you have to give all credit to the actors and the people who taught them what it is they're doing, because it's incredible. It is, yeah. 
Magic. It also moves at a pace that kind of makes it hard to watch. <laughs> hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I'm, I don't I'm know if it's... I'm swept away with it. I don't know if it's just the pace or just how it's filmed, though. Hmm. I think George Lucas is moving in, he's moving out, he's doing different things, but hmm. there, there are moments for me where I think, just give me a, you know, give me that Return of the Jedi perfect medium shot and track them where they're going and quit fucking around and cutting. I'd like to see that a little bit more. Yeah, but but how how much of that did Lucas want and how much was it like that former TV director Richard Marquand's idea? I admit it's the better choice. Yeah, but right. would Lucas have made that choice? I don't know, yeah, good. good I don't know. Good, fair point. You're right. And then there's it, this weird moment yeah. in the middle where they're spinning their lightsabers one foot away from each other but not hitting each other hmm. what's that all about i, I don't know there's, there's a lot of like you said there's a lot of spinning and jumping yeah not much none of it good <laughs> all right and so this is intercut with yoda and the emperor and they're both fighting with lightsabers and i feel Until like they're this not. was a yeah, this I feel like this was a missed opportunity because neither of these two are supposed to have lightsabers, and yet, yeah, right. This could have been the most unique fight between two Star Wars characters. It could have been. I using... guess they try to get there, but all they're doing is well, taking when seats out of the Senate and throwing them at each other. So here's here's what I think. So the Yoda and Emperor fight gets better when it gets more conceptual, mm-hmm. and he's throwing Senate seats at him. Yeah. Whereas the other duel completely loses me when they go on the rafts. No, oh, com- yes, that's absolutely. where I that's where I lose interest in that. So while one <laughs> one duel goes one way, one duel goes the other, <laughs> essentially, is what I'm saying. They 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 pass each other on the way up and down. <laughs> I also think that we we kept it in the room the beginning of the fight. Once they get outside. Hmm. And you're in a complete CG environment. I I think you're losing some yeah. of the great work that the actors are doing physically. Definitely, yeah. And it's just hard to track. Not to mention yeah. you have them swinging on vines. I mean, they're not vines, but vines like Errol no, that's Flynn. It. That's at one Crystal point. Skull you're thinking of. Though. I know. We're not there yet. <laughs> But basically, that's what he wanted. They're basically yeah. vines. They're just cable <laughs> of course, vines. It's just George Lucas again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I absolutely agree. And and uh, what you I think you said in the previous episode that, that again they couldn't resist that background joke of the droid trying to oh, pass a, trying to pass <laughs> around them as they fight. Yes, and right. then going back in the same direction it came from. <laughs> so it's structured like a joke. Like actually, yeah. it's like it's like he's like, excuse me. Oh, and yeah. then he sees what's going on and then backs out. It's like it's the no- one place where you don't need a joke. Finally, <laughs> I hadn't even clocked until you said it in the last episode, and I reread my note that there was there was background comedy in this scene. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I remember there being a droid, but reading back, I'm like, oh my god, it's an actual bit of like physical comedy going on mm-hmm. in the background. That's terrible. It is terrible. And then you know, so in addition. You mentioned when they're on, we're on the rafts. When they're on yeah. the rafts, there's always, you know, I, it's funny because I, you, you think of Vader as so imposing, and of course he's not in the suit yet. He's wearing lips. But there yeah. are, there are just too many. There, there are too many moments in this fight 
where Hayden Christensen is saying, buckle up, mister, I'm about to fuck your shit up. Mm-hmm. And then in one scene, or in w- the first time he says that, he almost loses his balance and falls into lava. And the second time he does it, he gets his legs cut off. Yeah. This is not the imposing figure I think of, you know, because those two choices make him look stupid. Which... And I don't think a Vader is stupid. It, it makes sense in terms of where he is in relation to where Obi-Wan is, except the beginning of the movie told us the opposite story. Exactly. So I don't right. know who to believe. Like, if, so if, there's, if he... there's different things. Like, I guess, I think what... The, I think, te- again... The movie does not make this clear to us. Yeah. I think Anakin is supposed to be more powerful, but yeah. Obi-Wan, he's gone through the trials, and so he is kind of more learned, and he can... Yeah. You know, he, 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 you know he's got more tricks up his sleeve. I think that's what it's supposed to be. But none of that okay. is made clear at all no. in any portion of this movie. Yeah, because... Because uh, in the in the opening scenes with the opening mini movie, mm-hmm. um, where they're fighting Dooku, Obi Wan looks like the one who's off the pace and who is hapless. Exactly, now, yeah, Anakin and that's weird. Hapless, yeah. But the only reason that happens is because Lucas needs it to happen story wise. He has to be unconscious. He can't see him kill him. He can't see the murder. That's true. Yeah. Of Dooku. That's very true. That's probably why he did it. So he probably yeah. wasn't going for the going for the idea that that Obi Wan is out of his depth because that wouldn't jibe with what's going on here. Got it. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. That's how George Lucas writes scripts. He writes them <laughs> scene to scene. <laughs> Whatever happened in the last scene doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Yeah, this is where Obi Wan first got the idea to become a terrible liar. <laughs> He was like, you could just do that? Just say, from my point of view, and then say any old shit? (laughs) But again, it's one of those things where I just think, you don't have to call so directly to the next movie. You can have him say a real line of dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, again, this is the other other sort of issue, is that he's such a teenager here. Mm -hmm. Like, he's like, I hate you! Yeah, it's like right. you can, you know, he's the. It's like a Jaden Smith kind of territory. It is right, and he's should that both the actor and the character should be beyond this at this point. Right. Yeah. In the in terms of where they are in the story, unless you make it emotional, or I guess what I'm saying is, but it's adolescent emotion. It's, it's adolescent. Yeah, it's adolescent, yeah. and. Yeah, I, I think I know what they're doing, which is Obi-Wan, I think Obi-Wan leaves because he thinks he's going to die. He's like, he's, he's, yeah, he's going down the rock towards lava. See you later. And I guess, See you, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I think in, in Lucas's mind, it has to be left there, but I, I don't know. I always think, what if, you know, he he has defeated him, and now what if he thinks he can make him see reason? What if he puts his hand out and says, let me help you? <laughs> but look at the state of him. I understand. You can't put your hand out to that. <laughs> it doesn't guess... have the power to take your hand. He's got a hand left. Well, yeah, he but has it's no only legs. 
Well, that's the irony of it all. He was saved by his ma- he was <laughs> saved by his own metal hand. If he didn't have the metal hand, right, he wouldn't have been able to live out the rest of his life in a machine body. <laughs> so I guess my overall point was, you know, if you have this sort of adolescent terrible "I hate you" line, but what if that comes after? No, I don't want your help. I hate you. And then the yeah end, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Basically, the end of Star Trek Three. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> gonna say you're gonna have a hard time convincing Star Wars fans that a better ending to Revenge of the Sith yeah. is one from a Star Trek. I movie. also, you know, once the Emperor shows up, I want a little more evil out of him. I want him to be disappointed that Vader failed. Oh, he's adorable. I know he is. Was this part of his plan, conceivably? Possibly. Yeah. But they can never know, rule I that out of, with the Emperor. I like the idea of him saying, You failed me. Give give me one reason why I should save your life. And then you have you know, you kind of have that idea of him repledging. <laughs> basically, basically you want you want them to just kick him when he's down and crispy. Absolutely. From both sides. Well, I just want I want a few more emotional hooks. I want the idea. Because it actually sets up the next trilogy better. If it's, I'm going to save your life, you're indebted to me forever, you must never cross me. Mm. And then Vader starts with the, hey, Luke, what do you think? And I'll, you know what I mean? Like, it, it sets yeah. Vader up in a way to never consider going back to the good side. In this, in this version or in your version? In my version. By the way, are we pitching sequels yet, or are we still talking about I know, about you're right. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I have a lot of issues with this. Uh, as I said, I, I like I like the the work they do with his with the body. It looks great. It, yeah. it looks great. It looks really good. And uh, again, I don't think it's appropriate for a kid's movie, but it's what it is. I seem to recall hearing that at the time though i, think I remember the hearing is, this with the child slaughter as a package deal yeah. is enough to to cause yeah. concern e- each of them individually i think you can just about get away with i i just think i remember hearing now listen this one's different so careful bringing now your listen, young Johnny, children yeah we know you liked the the movie with the big <laughs> lizard man but right <laughs> yes, the big lizard man who wears a waistcoat. Yes, uh, yes, that one. That one. He's not going to be in this one. <laughs> However, the the horrifically burned, basically corpse of uh, that little kid from the original film will. Be. <laughs> and speaking of like adding emotion to the scene, they've really missed an opportunity for a callback to uh, the beginning of Attack of the Clones. Obi Wan should have said, "I'll always think of you as that little boy on Tatooine." <laughs> <laughs> he had sunburn too. Yeah. He also could have said, "You're you, gonna you be the death of me." No, I'm the death of you, bitch. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, having yeah, done no follow, it. having done no follow-up research, I'm not gonna go down the hill and kick you into the lava. But I'm assuming you're gonna die. Also, I don't, and I don't want to get into a down a rabbit's hole here, but sure you do. if Obi-Wan's in constant contact with Space Jimmy Smiths, you think Jimmy Sm- Jimmy Smiths would like send him a hologram saying, 
Oh, by the way, you didn't kill him. He's now <laughs> number two in the Galactic Imperial Order. Yeah. But there you go. I mean, when would he get that information, though? I think, uh, you know. Well, Organa knows that Darth Vader's Anakin, doesn't he? I don't know. I don't know who knows what, and that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who, and I don't know when. So we're starting to trend once. So uh, the Emperor passes Obi-Wan on the way to Mustafa. Clearly, as he's yeah. leaving. No, I mean, he does, literally. It's in the shop. <laughs> you see his ship going in the background and the shuttle coming in the foreground. Do you? I've oh, seen, no, I've seen, I missed like, something. No, I mean, I'm. it's not like it's It's not apparent in the movie, but I've seen like a Facebook post where they show that shot and I'm like, oh, they're literally passing each other. But anyway, okay. um, so the Emperor rescues him. It's pathetic fallacy for sure, having all that rain come down. But mm-hmm. that can't be doing his open wounds any good. No. that's uh, Unless that's like back to rain. <laughs> it's a moment where poetry overrides the science of it. Mm. And at the same time, he's, you know, he's being dragged into the, uh, the medical repair room. Mm-hmm. Padme's, Padme's giving birth. Hey, wait, can I, oh. can I stop you for a second? Cause you can try. I, I didn't ask you about. I have the high ground. Okay. This is a a really much derided line. It is, yeah. So I wanted to get your thoughts on yay or nay. I have the high ground. I don't particularly like it, but it's never it's never bumped me. Like you know. Okay. We've talked about you buy into the. You have to meet movies halfway, and if the movie is telling you that. This is how Jedi's win bap- win the battle by taking the high ground. Doesn't even make sense, though. No, it doesn't make any sense. Well, it makes Darth sense. Darth Maul that... had the high ground against Obi Wan. To- he might just be talking about that specific battle. Like you're I gonna suppose. jump, you're gonna jump, you're gonna Jedi jump out of there, and I'm gonna cut your legs off. Obi Wan but... was in a worse position in the. First movie, and it didn't seem to harm his chances. He cut Darth Maul in half. Yeah, I I don't know if it was meant to be a, like a a saying. You know what I mean? Like, you know what they say? <laughs> I got the high ground. He doesn't say that. He just says I have the high ground. Like, in this particular battle, it's an advantage. All right. It always just comes across as comical to me. Well, the, I mean, the other explanation, which again is equally possible, is that George Lucas heard somewhere that having the high ground in a battle is a good thing and wrote it into the movie without thinking or doing any research. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely including possible. including what happened previous in his own movies. Yeah, right, exactly. All right. All right, so yes. So Padme's, Padme's dying, of, dying a of a broken heart. heart. And not I don't understand why she can't have been dying of Anakin nearly murdering her. Yeah, I think that could have been made more clear. And I think not that there hasn't been enough. Oh, it's made very clear that she's dying for no reason. They say that explicitly. No, yeah, on no, two that. Occasions. I'm saying it wasn't made clear uh, how that he had done any damage to her. I always, I always think about. I mean, granted, he's already killed a lot of children and a, and a lot of other people. So why not add, you know, infanticide to it as well? Yeah. And him using the force to try and kind of crush her. Her body. I don't, I don't like this road we're going down. 
That's something I'm not, a really I'm not, evil person would it, do. Whatever it is you're proposing, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to sign off on it. I think it's. It doesn't it sound He's like something an evil ki- person would do? He but sees Obi Wan. He's, he's filled with no. jealous rage. He says, "If I can't have you, nobody can." Killing her, not the babies. Well, I think if he kills her, the babies die. I think that that's like that would be like a hat trick of yeah, like Hannibal, cannibal Holocaust level horror things <laughs> happening in the movie, and I think that's just that's that's too too many. <laughs> this that would make it an X certificate movie, I think. But I don't. I mean, again, why? Why the, this is like there. There was no father. Like you, mm-hmm. you. When you're even when you're in a fantasy milieu, you still have to play by your own rules. Yeah, you can't just introduce these random notes of extra fantasy. Yes, these non-established like people can die of a broken heart or there can be virgin births. Having a tiny robot say, medically, she's fine, but we're losing her. It's not good. Also, why why are the... At what point did the medical droids uh, defect from the Empire and start working for the Rebels? Because (laughs) it seems like uh, Darth Vader's got the good good droids from Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) Right. I kept expecting it, like, as, as Darth Vader kind of unchains himself, I kept expecting the medical droid to go... Take care, sir. <laughs> there's some nice... Something I do like about this... Uh, there's, there's some things I like about the sequence and a lot I don't like. Okay. Things I do like is the, the cross-cutting of the birth and the surgery. There's some nice associative editing there. I think mm-hmm. Lucas Lucas understands that editing language really well. Sure. Uh, you know, he did the montage in the... God, the, the newspaper montage in the godfather and he's got it it's just you must got like that newspaper montage that's the second time you've mentioned it on well, no, but these it's, episodes it's, he's got you know he's got a facility for that kind of associative editing i think yeah um and he demonstrates it here i don't like the seeing being uh the the mask being shot from the inside from from anakin's pov mm. i think that was a mistake why? Again, the on, the only other POV we've seen in the trilogy is C-3PO's. Is C-3PO's. So I don't know if it's making a greater <laughs> point of we, all, we, we only see things through robot eyes in this movie. <laughs> and then, you know, the iconic Vader mask appears. And they it's like literally sliding the prequel trilogy into alignment with the original trilogy. Right, yeah. It's filmed like a car commercial. It and it is. made me wonder why George Lucas hasn't spent like his golden years directing car commercials because <laughs> no one would do it better. Nobody yeah. would enjoy that more. Right. It's literally yeah. like he he's this he's so mechanical this shot of like you know <laughs> you can just imagine him in his mind replacing a tire on his yeah. classic car. <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> it's completely devoid of emotion and uh, effect at all. It's so clinical and cold, and I guess that's part of the mm-hmm. point. But it it feels cold to as the viewer, in a way I don't want it to. I want it still to feel like something of a tragedy. It also feels slick, like yeah, a car commercial, it. like a car yeah. commercial. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. the problem. Um, and it's followed by his Frankenstein moment. Well, that's it. Like all the menace of the Vader reveal is blown for a cheap knockoff of Frankenstein. Ooh. 
And then the most melodrama we've seen. Oh, ever. In the series with them. No! <laughs> Principal Skinner. Ex- yeah, Skinner. right. Yeah. Exclamation. Mother. Seymour. No! <laughs> oh, man. Did it ever get a huge laugh out of me? Yeah. The first time I saw this movie. It's fun. Like, I feel like because this this prequel trilogy tends towards melodrama of this kind, it's a little more... Not accept- on this level, though. Not on I mean, this, this level, is... but it's, it's closer in spirit to what they've been doing in this trilogy. But when they reintroduce it, retroactively mm-hmm. put it in, the, in Return of the Jedi, I think that, again, that is the greater crime of the two. Yeah, making the making it seem as if the original trilogy uh, approves of this, <laughs> <laughs> which it never would. No, uh, Padme dies in childbirth, which really again that doesn't jive it. with the nope. rest of the series. Nope. Uh, I mean, at the time, Don't I care remember for that. I remember in uh, when we did Return of the Jedi, I said that that there's, <laughs> there's blame on both sides. This. <laughs> <laughs> because um see it's a great great turn of phrase oh man because the problem with it in jedi is that they're far too detail oriented they should have kept it vaguer or vader and um yeah but it's i mean they did what they did it's your job to yeah that's that's where you know. there's blame on this side right but on the other side don't be so specific don't write your future screenwriters into a corner Mm -hmm. future screenwriters find a better way of getting out of that corner (laughs) (laughs) everyone out of the corner aside from just not getting out of it didn't one of the things that i uh ironically love about the next few scenes all the decisions about how and where to place luke and leia go down exactly as you imagine in your head canon Oh, yeah, for sure. There's yeah. like, no, like, this is what we kind of came to these films to find out, to have explained to us, and it's what they spend the least time explaining out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> they literally. They well, sit, we always wanted a daughter. They sit around the table and go, uh, you take the girl, you take the boy. All right. We're done here. Off we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, like, that's it? <laughs> yeah. Can we, like, what, uh, like, I would love at least, you know, some dialogue about your rationale for doing this. I'd like that. I always thought that it would be, you know, it's like you have to get to the sunset circle wipe moment of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Yeah. And they look like the happiest people ever to adopt a son, but they know the danger in doing this. I'd like a conversation, perhaps, about, listen, we'll take this kid I want you gone. I don't want to ever see you again, Obi Wan. Something to set off, like careful how he how he feels about him in the in the fourth one. You know, that's that's obviously what Deborah Cho felt when she wrote those scenes in Obi Wan Kenobi. Which actually, that <laughs> that first episode is really good. I, I think I think I think it falls apart after that. I think that that first episode, yeah, of right, Obi-Wan, right. Obi Wan Kenobi is just like you say. It's all those scenes you'd wish you'd had at the end of this movie put together into one episode and after that it goes fucking batshit crazy it does quickly yeah well this is the problem because we spent a trilogy getting to one plot point 
mm-hmm. Luke, you know, Luke and Leia being take being like split up. I think maybe Lucas also just thinks we take it all for granted. But this is this the is thing. what happens, and this is how quickly it happened, and you know, Bing Bang Bang, you're done. That that's <laughs> it is very Bing Bang Bang, you're done. I agree, but also <laughs> the the sort of the dislocation when you realize that the trilogy is all about getting to this plot point and you realize that nothing that happened before that makes any difference whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> the last three movies <laughs> don't mean anything because this happened the way you always thought it happened. So you've really got no new information. Uh, well, what would you rather see? No, well, no, I mean, I, what we've been talking about is like that, that this, this wasn't an afterthought. Mm-hmm. That this this ha- this wasn't just like oh they've got to be <laughs> they've got to be here for the beginning of the next movie. Yeah. Right. So let's put them there, but let's not discuss why we did it because that's going to burn a lot of screen time and. Yeah. And I don't want to go back. It's to already Tunisia. a long movie. I don't want to go back to Tunisia. I already got the shot that I needed. <laughs> right. Or that it should have organically sort of like the the solution should have organically presented itself through what was happening in, in the rest of the movie. Not just mm-hmm. while well, we're in a pickle, aren't we? Anyone want to well, take these kids? split them up. Yeah, anyone yeah, want right. to take these kids? <laughs> what about you guys sitting closest to me? Yeah, sure. <laughs> just a daughter, though. Yeah. I could give a fuck about a male. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, that doesn't speak well of Space Jimmy Smith, that he's willing to take one, but not the other. Well, the, don't they say that... The, I mean, well, I don't know if it's... Is it in the original trilogy or here as well, where they say we have to split them up? Because that makes sense. I can't remember if they say it in this movie or not. Do they? I tell you what they do to... I, I don't think so. <laughs> That's remarkable, I'm happy to right? be corrected on this, but... I, I hope think, we're wrong. I, I hope think, we're wrong. I hope, I hope we're wrong, but I think it speaks to what you're saying about uh, Lucas taking it all for granted. Like, oh, no, we covered mm-hmm. that in the original trilogy. We don't need yeah, to... Yeah, right. We don't need to relitigate this. It's like, yeah, but you made a prequel trilogy. So there's going to be some <laughs> relitigation. <laughs> by its very nature. Gonna have to. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they... they uh, Yoda drops the bombshell that. Uh, yeah, right. Obi Wan's going to be Qui- going to be joined. <laughs> He's going to be visited by Qui Gon, but we're not, because <laughs> Liam Neeson wants nothing to do with this. By the yeah. way, what was Liam Neeson on? He was on, maybe it was Smartless mm-hmm. or Conan. He was on Conan O'Brien. He was on talking about Conan O'Brien's podcast again, no? no, but but Conan brings up Star Wars. Boy, is it, it! It's so delightful to listen between the lines to yeah. mix, you know, metaphors. But Go- Matt Gawley's been his other podcast. Matt Gawley's been trailing trailing that interview for quite a while, and I can I can imagine why. Delightful! It's so much fun to listen to. I mean, I, you know, it's sort of like in it's a reference to the character in lieu of the character returning. We got it eventually. We had to wait 20 more years, but we finally mm-hmm. got the reunion that should have happened at the end of this movie. They just had to retcon <laughs> it in between so that he's <laughs> not appearing to him for half the time he's on Tatooine. Yeah. The mind wipe. Well, talk to me. C-3PO's 
I don't know if it's his first. It's not. It's definitely not his last mind wipe in this series. <laughs> um, and this was another like this again. felt like a, a like it was something I knew before seeing Revenge of the Sith that that at least one of these droids was going to get their mind wiped, and that's why they don't know what's going on at the beginning of Star Wars. Well, and again, so there must be a novelization, or there must be something, some expanded universe. Maybe. Text that's out there that talks I reiterate about again, I never would have put these two in there at all. Or I would have wiped both their minds. Like, I mean, it's a bit... At the very... Yeah, if you It's do, a bit Julius Ex Machina, in, but if you're going to do it, you make gotta it wholesale. you got to wipe both minds. That's ridiculous yeah. to leave R2 completely intact and see Or some kind of, like... Gets his mind wiped. Or some kind of, like, sort of, like, memory-specific version of the restraining bolt. Mm-hmm. Where like you can't have access to your memories while you're wearing these, uh, these you know, bolts or whatever. Okay, yeah, I go along with that. <laughs> I love how we're like talking each other into terrible choices. It's, I know, right? It's all like <laughs> if we saw that on screen, could you imagine how I would react? A restraining <laughs> bolt just for memory? What a load of bullshit! <laughs> This is why Star Wars fans can never be happy because whatever they want to see, they actually don't right. want to see. <laughs> I sent. I, I think I sent you the screenshot I took of the uh, of the um, circular wipe, the kind of Looney Tunes wipe yeah. around C three PO's face, which for <laughs> a second looks like one of those eighties custom portraits. With the person looking straight ahead and then looking to the side, yeah, like a like a ghost, like they can see their own ghost or something. Good times. And that goes into the the Naboo funeral with uh, mm-hmm. pa- Padme's parents, last seen in deleted scene, last not seen in deleted scenes from Attack of the Clones, <laughs> and uh, a variety of forgotten CGI sidekicks, including Boss yeah. Nass and Jar Jar. Yeah, right. And are we are we supposed? To, <laughs> feels like the stupidest question I've ever asked on this podcast. Are we supposed to read something into Jar Jar's sadness that he that it's not just that he's sad that that she's died, but also he feels somewhat responsible that he caused all of this. I mean, he did. I mean, it's true. Factually, he did. He did. There's a there's a Senate record speaking. To that. It's in the books. <laughs> He's on the nomination, <laughs> or is it just is uh, that's it? Because it's just this, and then his one uh, moment at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's all he has. So, is this is this another George I... Lucas? Look, here's Jar Jar being sad. Look, fans, you got what you wanted. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think he would even consider it. I think he just, yeah, she's, he said she died. I think it is that simple. Yeah. Oliver Ford Davis, the CEO Bibble, is at the back of the uh, the funeral procession. And as soon as I saw that, it's like, well, he's going to probably be sharing billing with Ian McDermott again. <laughs> After appearing in the movie for, for three seconds. I thought he might say a clear coffin could only mean one thing. Death. <laughs> What would be great is just if he said, click cocky could only mean one thing, invasion. Yeah. And they all just roll their eyes and they're like, always oh, with the Shut invasion. See, <laughs> a bibble's really losing it. <laughs> and then we we sort of go into 
uh, kind of montage of... Uh, yeah. We go... Oh, Star Destroyers, we see. Right. We're going to get a Vader and an Emperor pose. Mm-hmm. We're um, going to get Space Jimmy Smith and his wife holding a baby. Yeah, uh, the only time we've ever seen Alderaan up until this point, right? We Yeah. The first time we saw it in the original trilogy, it was blown up. It was blown up. up. Yeah. <laughs> So, and and now we know that Space Jimmy Smith blew up with it. That's true. Well, no, he must have. Yeah. I also thought, did, did you think, I think it's a little weird because they're, they seem so important in connection to the next trilogy. Hmm. You know, and J, Space Jimmy Smith has so little to do in these movies. And then all of a sudden we just see his wife. And I think she doesn't even get to say a word. She's just holding a baby and that's it. That's what women do in this particular film. Yeah, that's true. They're just breeders and breeders and wives. <laughs> and window starer outers. And window starer outers. <laughs> um, uh, we see that this is where we see the de- both the Death Star and Grand Moff Tarkin. Mm-hmm. And they're already much further at this point than they were after a year's work in Jedi. Yeah. Which. There's no sense of how or why it took 20 years to get from this to a completed Death Star. It's hard to say. It is very hard to say. Uh, and then there's, we get a like a Tarkin stand-in. A pre-digital mm-hmm. Tarkin stand-in. It's just done with... Or is it? Is there any... Do you think it's digital or is just... I think it, I think it looks a little CGI okay. up. It's just cheekbones. Why can't you do that with makeup? You can find somebody that looks, you know, you can find somebody that looks like Peter Cushing, can't you? For for that, you know, if yeah. that's all you're doing, then yeah. For Rogue One too, I think. Just find a find an old guy that looks close to him. <laughs> yeah, or or don't or don't have him in the movie. Or don't have him both, in the movie. Yeah, right. Is a um are more acceptable than what we got. And then we're back. Uh, we're back on Tatooine. That that shot that. George Lucas. Surprise, surprise. That George, that George Lucas took <laughs> while he was filming Attack of the Clones there. Right. Uh, image The Tatooine Suns set. Mm-hmm. Um, Obi-Wan hands, uh, hands the baby to Hans Looks Luke. pensive. Sorry? He looks pensively. He looks pensively. Or maybe the, the, uh, the Opie just let one out and he's just wincing. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> that's it, and that's the end of the movie. It is indeed the end of the prequel trilogy, apart from a credit check, obviously. Go, let us have it. Billing for the leads is about what you expect it to be, having seen all the other <laughs> Star Wars films. Uh, Ian McDermott gets more of a of a higher billing than he has now that it's been revealed that he's the Emperor. Um, they didn't want because <laughs> it was so secret. They didn't before. want to tip anyone off with having too high a screen. Yeah, power. as suspected, Oliver Ford Davis gets joint billing with Tamara Morrison, someone who literally plays hundreds of characters in this film, and he's on screen for three <laughs> seconds. It seems like it's easier to get a named credit if you died in the course of the film. <laughs> oh yeah, there's like a mini immemorium in the middle of these credits. All right. Of like people who presumably died during filming. Uh, who By really... the way, I don't want to interrupt you, but I think 
I know we gave some play to this for our, our Patreon listeners oh God. about our last episode, Attack of the Clones, and I said I had, I was very excited about uh, a, a credit check note for you. Yeah. So I went back and re-looked at the credits for clones. Okay. Uh, I ended up looking three times. I have no idea what I was so excited oh. about. <laughs> such a fucking mystery box. <laughs> You brought that up just to tell me you have no new information. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. Uh, no, that was that was worth the suspense. <laughs> I oh, just thought that was of, funny. It's one of life's great mysteries. What, so, what the fuck was I so excited about? I have no idea. Yeah, maybe maybe you know they got to go back to. You need to watch the whole thing, I think. Maybe. Guess. So you have to watch Attack of the Clones again, yeah. I think, is what is what your brain is telling you. <laughs> so one of the credits is Swordmaster slash Stunt Coordinator. And so, Swordmaster is such a cool credit. It's a shame it has to be slashed with anything. Yeah. It, it, this shouldn't be something that's shipped. <laughs> there's a... In the, name of char- in the names of characters, there's a Captain Antilles and also a character called Tennille. So, I think and someone and a fondness, That's great. I think someone someone with a fondness for seventies pop culture is uh, <laughs> fucking around with us here. The Wookies get their own section of the credits. Well, which, I know that they made, and there's not that many of them. Yeah, they made about I think a dozen actual Wookies, and then everything else was CGI Wookies. Yeah, the, the, there is this, like there's hardly any of them. Why should they have their own? Part of the credits. No, I don't know. Uh, techno crane operator. Is this a techno crane or is it a dance producer who signs li- sidelines in crane operations? <laughs> is that what tambour? <laughs> He's kind of a DJ, isn't he? He sort of DJs Maybe, his own yeah. voice. Yeah. Uh, plaster leading hand. Sounds less like a job description, more a result of what happens when a prop is made. Agreed. Plaster leading the hand. Uh, I don't know why all the Chinese engineers at Sony are given a special thanks. Uh, they even credit the people who brought the coffee. Oh. In that particular division, so it's out of control. It does lead to your was this argument. The first, was this the first time a website address appeared at the end of a Star Wars movie? I don't remember it happening oh. before. What's the website? Like www.starwars.com. Hmm. I don't know. Because now it's like no one ever does that anymore. No one ever says like find out more at www.paulblartmallcop.com. Yeah, right. But <laughs> you really picked one there, didn't you? <laughs> Why that movie? Did <laughs> I did? I had a choice to make, um, <laughs> and I made it. Uh, but I'm wondering at what point. We started doing it and when we stopped. So hmm. just a thought. It was something All to right. keep an eye out for. Because uh, this is what, 2005? Four? Five? Okay. 20, yeah, tw- nearly 20 years ago. Yeah. That's it. That's my, uh, that's my credit check. All right. We did it. We're mostly done. Yeah. We could. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to have to break it to you that there will be one more episode, but... Yeah. 
you know. We gotta we gotta try to write a sequel to this. As if we haven't had enough. A, yeah, a, absolutely. A, as if it already hadn't been done. Yes, absolutely. As if there are not a number of sequels <laughs> to this in various different media. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. The Star Wars prequels is in the books. You're going to have to tell us what you think about the last part of <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Uh, it's been an interesting I, time, I got to say, Tom. I've had a I lot of fun. I could... The, when you put it like that, I could see that that the second half of Revenge of the Sith could have been its own movie. Mm, yeah. Then it would have been a two-scene like... movie. <laughs> well, that's what's said about Rise of Skywalker. They should have broken it up so that they did one movie to finish the story of the sequel trilogy and then one to end the Skywalker saga. Mm. I think you can make a similar argument here that we, sh- we, could, we, sh- we needed a whole movie about Anakin turning into Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. But that only happens halfway into the... that. Yeah. That's only half the movie. I don't know that I trust Lucas to get... <laughs> so that's the problem, isn't it? To get that it? right. That, that's the thing. That's, that's going to be the... You know, that's gonna, that theme is going to continue into the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Because we're going to end up talking about the same things where we're like, different things we want to see, but do we trust the people who are doing this with being able to execute it. Mm-hmm. That's the, that becomes the big issue. No doubt. All right. Mm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what do you think of Revenge of the Sith? You're going to have to tell us, let us know on Facebook, Instagram, or uh, once again, whatever uh, Elon Musk is up to. And then, mm-hmm. uh, Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. We'll be sure to get back to you. And we got some interesting stuff to say in our next episode and our pitch a sequel for people that have written in about this series. And you know it's going to be interesting because it's neither of our opinions. Yeah, exactly. That's what this podcast needs, less of us. (laughs) Good luck. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. When you hear us next, we will be pitching sequels, so be on the lookout. Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. Uba. <laughs> I would have loved it if at that point, like Padme would just return from the dead and said, actually, it's Luke. Yeah. You kept that one in your back pocket. <laughs> after that, after that, I also expect, uh, you know, in the same way that I can hear Thundercats after the unlimited <laughs> right. power line. After this, I go, Obama, Obomabo, saxophone, <laughs> saxophone. All right. <laughs> so long, everybody. If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target and check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. 
Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound-related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound, but as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target! Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug, the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target! That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you.